Hi, I'm Taylor. I'm Jackson. And I'm John. And today on VetCast, we're going to be talking about pollution and its effects on wildlife. But we aren't talking about your standard pollution. When most people think about pollution, they probably picture water bottles and plastic bags littering the ocean, or maybe air pollution rising out of a power plant. But today, we're going to be talking about a form of pollution that you can't exactly see, but you can hear it. Noise pollution. Welcome to VetCast, Veterinary Climate Action and Sustainability Talks, the podcast created by veterinary students at Colorado State University focused on the impacts of climate change on animal health. So what exactly is noise pollution? It's pretty simple. Noise pollution is any disturbing or unwanted noise that interferes with or harms wildlife or people. And although noise constantly surrounds us, noise pollution generally receives less attention than water and air quality issues because it can't be seen, tasted, or smelled. So how does it affect wildlife? Well, according to scientists, noise pollution can affect wildlife through three mechanisms, which are acoustic masking, reduced attention, and noise avoidance. So let's break those down real quick. Acoustic masking refers to when noise interferes with an animal's ability to detect the source of another sound. So imagine if you were trying to focus on the sound of my voice. Then another, much louder noise began to overtake the sound of my voice that you're focused on. It could become difficult in order to hear and understand the words that I'm trying to say. Do you get it? Now reduced attention is when a noise is found to be distracting to an animal. And instead of focusing on normal behaviors, such as foraging for food, the animal will instead sit there and continually ask itself, what was that? That was a strange noise, and I don't know if I like that. I'm just going to sit here and listen to it some more and try and figure out what's happening. The last mechanism is noise avoidance. This behavior is fairly self-explanatory. It's going to be when an animal doesn't like a noise, so they leave the area. Sort of like when you're at a holiday dinner and Aunt Karen starts talking politics, you leave the room immediately. So now that we all know a little bit more about noise pollution, we can really address how it plays a role in wildlife. In order to do that, we've got three stories to tell you to help you understand the impact of this invisible form of pollution. All right, so whales. They're incredibly intelligent. There's actually stories about dolphins forming working relationships with the local fishermen so that both parties get their cut of the fish. And they've even been trained by the U.S. Navy to find mines. In general, whales can be broken down into two categories, mysticetes and adonisetes. Now, mysticetes are your blue whales, humpback whales, and others that take in mouthfuls of ocean and then filter out the nutritional parts with their rows of baleen. For this episode, though, I'll be focusing mainly on adonisetes, and not because mysticetes are unaffected by ocean noise, but because the effects on whales are far too many to cover in just a single sitting. So adonisetes include sperm whales, dolphins, porpoises, and the like. It means tooth whales, but these whales also have something else in common, a very sophisticated echolocation system where the whale sends out clicks and listens to the reverberations with the help of an extra fat pad in their head called a melon to amplify the incoming sound. Like many other echolocators, dolphins use this extra sense to interact with their world, and their visual acuity is, unlike humans, much less important in their daily lives. 
In the dark depths of the ocean, these animals rely on this seemingly indecipherable array of clicks to navigate and hunt for prey, as well as just play with other members of their pods. As we've become more and more connected, the oceans have become louder and louder. And though our small speedboats and jet skis still add to the noise, in the ocean, the three primary sources of noise pollution are shipping, sonar, and seismic surveys. Global shipping routes are vital to our interconnected world. Still, some of these routes go directly through marine preserves, known for the huge bioproduction and diversity that whales flock to. Sonar is primarily used by governments conducting military exercises. And then finally, there are seismic surveys, which gas and oil companies use to scan the ocean floor for fossil fuels. Now, I'm sure we're all aware that sound can travel, but do you guys want to guess exactly how far? What do you think, Jackson? Well, I know it travels far in water, so it's got to be measured in miles, right? You're not wrong. It's definitely measured in miles, but actually there have been documented seismic surveys conducted in Brazil that were picked up all the way in Virginia, well over 3,000 miles. Wow. From Brazil to Virginia? Right? And it's not a peaceful sound. Here's what the whales that came into contact with that sound were hearing. Now, just imagine that, but infinitely louder and heard by an animal whose sense of sound is roughly seven times better than our own. That's pretty unpleasant, right? Now, for the Adonisites, this can have really tragic consequences. Back in 2000, the Navy conducted military training exercises with sonar in the Caribbean. Over the next couple of days, beaked whales, another type of echolocating whale, started stranding themselves and dying on beaches. Upon closer examination, the scientists found internal damage to the parts of the brain involved in hearing. Other effects we've seen based on dolphins using trackers is an immediate stop in hunting and foraging behaviors, changes in communication patterns to try and be heard around the extra sound, and increased distress communications, particularly between mother and calf pairs, as if to reestablish themselves after being blinded by sound. Although none of these on their own are fatal, they do add up, and ultimately these animals struggle to adapt in a meaningful way around all the noise. The next story we are going to talk about takes us out of the ocean and into the air. We are talking about bats. Bats are amazing creatures, and if you have listened to a previous episode of this podcast, you've already learned oodles of interesting factoids about them. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, maybe go give it a listen now and then return to this episode. So let's talk about bats. All right, so first thing is first, there are a ton of bats out there, about 1,400 species to be exact, which also happens to comprise 20% of mammalian species in the world, and they play a really big role in the environment due to their feeding habits. Some bats play the roles of pollinators for important plant species like bananas, avocados, and mangoes. Others disperse seeds. And finally, others keep insect populations in check. About 70% of bats are insectivores, and they consume up to their body weight in insects every single night. Some bats even do all three of these, so they play a really big role in the environment. So it turns out that bats are the perfect example of how noise pollution affects ecosystems. How does noise pollution affect bats and their roles in the ecosystem, though? Well, bats primarily find their food and play their important role in nature through their incredibly sensitive ears. Now, many of us know that bats are really good at hearing, but I had no idea how good they were until I did some more research on them. It turns out that some bats can actually hear the footsteps of insects, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. 
A group of scientists recorded and studied the differences in noises made by different tasty bugs based upon size, number of legs, type of surface the bug is on, and even the speed at which the bug is walking at, and found that bats might actually be able to extract this information and specifically select their prey. So bats are pretty darn good at finding their food, and they are fast as well. A study done by the Max Planck Institute for Ornithology in Germany set up 64 little platforms with speakers that would broadcast faint pitter-patter noises of bug feet, and on average, it would take bats only 5 seconds to hone in on which platform was making the noise before swooping down. Bats that catch their play on the fly, though, well, they hunt a little bit differently. These bats rely more heavily on echolocation to catch their dinner. They ping out sound with ultrasonic frequency into the night and listen for echoes bouncing off of flying insects, which in my opinion is even more impressive. Now for the big question. Does noise pollution from nearby roads, cities, oil wells have potential to impede these incredible creatures? Well, remember when we talked about the acoustic masking effect of noise pollution? Imagine what these heavy noises might do to the ability of bats to effectively parse out their prey. One study that set up devices to record echolocation noises from bats found that areas with noise pollution recorded 40% less echolocation from bats compared to areas with less noise pollution. These studies stated that they weren't clear on if that meant that the noise bothered the bats directly causing them to leave, or if it chased off the insects that the bats were interested in eating. But either way, there was less bat habitat as a result of noise pollution. Other studies have actually found that bats are rather formidable at adapting to noise pollution. Many bats who would normally hunt by listening for prey are beginning to rely more heavily upon echolocation, which could indicate that noise pollution is preventing them from pinpointing their prey. Bats experimentally exposed to noise pollution relied upon echolocation more. However, it's not as effective, and this adaptation might be incredibly taxing for bats and burn energy. A good way to understand what this feels like is referred to as a cocktail party problem. Imagine you're at a cocktail party. It's noisy, glasses are clinking, music is playing, footsteps on tile floor, the loud humdrum of conversation is going on. And you see your friend across the way who you haven't spoken to in a while. When you walk up to them, you might not notice it, but you compensate in order to communicate with them. You might raise your voice. You might be paying attention to their lips in order to hear and understand what they're saying. That's what it's like for the bat. Compensating for all this noise is tiring and consumes a lot of their energy. All right, what did we learn? Well, bats are really, really cool first and foremost, but they also rely heavily upon hearing for hunting. And noise pollution may have a negative effect on this. It isn't understood fully yet, but bats are definitely having to compensate, which is likely having some detrimental effects on their environment. Noise pollution can not only affect individual species, but even entire ecosystems. One study goes into detail on how sources of sound pollution alone have impacted the Rattlesnake Canyon wildlife area in New Mexico. The researchers found that the impact of noise not only had adverse effects on the animals here, but the plants as well. The avian community in this area includes many species, some prey, and some predator, and the common human-made noises in this area are from thousands of oil wells and air compressors, and they sound something like this.
The high background sound greatly affects the species interactions here. It also disproportionately affects some species over others. As Jackson mentioned before, some species that hunt have a tougher time finding their food because of acoustic masking. For this reason, some prey species that aren't bothered by the noise, like mice and hummingbirds, actually prefer to live in the noisy areas. Some species are impacted much differently, and the community dynamics change drastically because of noise. Northwestern New Mexico is mostly desert, and this desert consists of two crucially important tree species, the pinyon pine and juniper trees. They create habitat and microclimates for other plants and animals to thrive in. Perhaps the most concerning finding was how this pollution affected the western scrub jays, one species in this area. But let me explain why. Western scrub jays are the primary seed disperser for pinyon pines. They sort of act like squirrels with nuts. They eat some seeds, bury some for later, and forget where most of those are, and this works out really well for the trees. One jay can spread thousands of pinyon seeds every year, but since scrub jays are very sensitive to noise, they are actively avoiding loud areas. This contrasts to the mice, who prefer the noisy areas. They also eat the pinyon pine seeds, but the seeds eaten by mice, they can't sprout. And with seed eaters being attracted to noise and seed dispersers avoiding it, there has been a significant decline in the dispersal of pinyon pines within this ecosystem. And this has downstream effects on all of the other species that depend on these trees. Overall though, species richness at these sites were reduced. And with increasing development and noise pollution, the pinyon pines could cease to spread here. And this could eventually lead to reduced habitat for even the species that benefit from this change in the short term. Noise pollution, even though we can't see it, still has a heavy impact on the environment and species that inhabit it. Through the effects of acoustic masking, reduced attention, and noise avoidance, many animals beyond just whales, bats, and scrub jays are affected. Many of the requirements for a modern society create sources of noise pollution. By just existing, we as humans make noise and we impact the world around us. But what can we do? Well, firstly, awareness is huge. Many people are entirely unaware that we're having some of these effects, and education can help us make decisions both on an individual basis and a much larger scale that can help all the different species impacted by noise pollution. Individually, we might not have much control over where the global shipping route goes, but what we can do is shop local when possible. And that in itself can reduce the need to have some of the international shipping. Education can also inform the policies we enact. Off the coast of Massachusetts, there's a marine preserve that whales migrate to yearly, and to help them avoid unnecessary interference with vessels, they actually reroute the ships when they know whales will be in the area. Another interesting dynamic is the effect of fossil fuels on noise pollution. Both at their extraction and emission, fossil fuels are much louder than some renewable alternatives, and electric vehicles are much quieter. Although many other types of pollution can be really hard to get rid of, with noise pollution, once you turn it off, it's gone. And once it's gone, as long as the ecosystem hasn't been irreversibly damaged, it can begin to heal, whether that's in the ocean, in the air, or in a pinyon pine forest in New Mexico. Thanks for joining us on VetCast, Veterinary Climate Action and Sustainability Talks, the podcast created by veterinary students at Colorado State University. To find more resources about this topic and details about each episode, check out the show notes. Thanks and see you next time on VetCast.
In case you were wondering what it sounds like when an insect is walking, I looked it up. This is the sound of an insect walking. <laughs>